Good morning. This morning's scripture is taken from the book of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. May God bless the reading and understanding of his holy word. So we've we've heard a lot of stories already in our service today, stories of... um, Earthquakes in Morocco, for instance. Maybe you've interacted with other people already in the service today and have heard a little bit about how each other's week has gone. Maybe you've met a new person today. Um, and we just heard the reading of, of part of Jesus's story and John the Baptist's story in John chapter one. And at this time in the service, we're gonna start really talking more about what stories that we've been involved in in our life. What is, what is your story, your life story? Where have you been? Where did you come from? What are you doing? What do you hope to do? What are the things that that grab your heart? What are your passions? What are your deepest desires? What's the purpose of it all? What's what's the story that you're part of? And so I'd invite you even just to begin reflecting on, in light of your story and your experience of life so far, what what are some of the stories around us that are maybe connecting or resonating with you the most. 
So I have small children, so we, we watch a lot of movies in our house right now. And I, there's some movies that are really designed for kids. And I'm sitting here as a 35-year-old male saying, I really like this story. I'm resonating with it for some particular reason. That there's something in this story that is, is grabbing me. And I think that's the case for each of us. For each of us in our stories, we have something that is resonating with us in a particular way. And so there's actually one YouTube uh, video series that I've begun watching recently. And um, it's, about, it's about a group of golfers that over the course of three days, they travel somewhere on a weekend. And their whole goal of the show is not to go over $500. That's really the only goal they have. The goals are to play golf and to not spend more than their $500 budget. And so that's, in one sense, the story. But someone wrote an article about this series of shows. It has eight seasons, I think, now. And they wrote that really this YouTube series is not so much about a budget. It's not so much about golf. But really what the story is about is about two males in their mid to late 20s who are single, who are learning to be friends with one another. And to take it one step deeper, it goes into the reality that many males in their mid to late 20s are lonely and don't know how to make friends with other males. And it finds a deeper place of resonance in people's heart because of the need for male friendship in our world through the avenue of golf and $500 and YouTube. So stories have a way of resonating with us like that. The greatest stories you know, have all these similar kind of elements. They have a great beginning. They have characters that are dynamic and captivating and some are heroes or villains or foils to the story. There's tension and conflict and usually some kind of big problem, like a $500 budget you gotta keep when you're traveling to play golf. But usually there's some kind of surprising, beautiful conclusion to a story. And as we enter into the fall together as, as a church here in Salem, um, there was a group of us couple, over the last few weeks that were trying to narrow in on what do we, what do we think our church needs to hear during this season? What do we want to focus in on? What do we want to make sure people are not missing? And what this group kind of prayed over and talked through together was, we want to make sure that we understand the beautiful simplicity of the gospel, which in one sense is something we do every Sunday. Like we, we hope we've been preaching the gospel to you every Sunday, but we also want to make sure that you're not missing it. The beautiful simplicity of the gospel and particularly through the element of surprise. So again, it's one of the words we have on our sign outside. We have curiosity, community, surprise, kind of these value words we've lived into. And um, we talk about coming curious. You know, if you have big questions or if you're not a believer, but, but you're looking for answers in life and you're just curious, this is a place for you. Or if you're lonely and you don't have friends and you're looking for community, this is a place for you. But also in the midst of those things, we pray that you are just utterly surprised by what you find that's even more than that. And we believe the grandest surprise of all is the gospel, the story of God's redeeming us, of coming for us on a rescue mission for us. And again, the beautiful thing about surprises is that you can't plan for them. You can't say, okay, I'm going to go be surprised today. 
It's not a surprise. Surprises are when they meet you out of nowhere. That's the beautiful thing about surprises. They, they meet you where, where you need to be met when you didn't expect it, when you expected it the least. That's a surprise. And we believe that's what God has done for us uh, through the story of the gospel. So that's where we're going this fall is on this journey up until Advent, so pretty much up, up until the, around the time of Thanksgiving, on different ways to understand the beauty of the gospel in its simplest form and how God has done that for his people. And so today we're going to really um, do the big bird's eye view. So you may have looked at the bulletin and said, Stephen is preaching Genesis to Revelation today. So with that being mine, let's start in Genesis chapter 1 and let's begin reading. No, we're not going to do that. Um, but we are going give to a, give a big bird's eye view today of the story of the Bible. But before I even do that, I want to give a couple of reasons why this is hard. You may say, okay, I'm, you're like, okay, I'm here on a Sunday morning. So clearly I believe something about what you're saying or I'm interested in it. So um, I get that. But also I know because I've talked to some of you and I've talked to many people that are outside this church um, who really struggle with understanding the big picture story. Or maybe even more specifically, when you leave this place in 30 minutes and you come back seven days from now, you struggle to read the Bible or understand it on your own to see how the dots connect and how it resonates for your life today in 2023 with all these new things that are happening. So the first point is, if the Bible is so great and if the gospel is so wonderful, why don't we get it more easily? And this is basically just acknowledging that the Bible can be really hard to understand and it can be confusing. You know, maybe you started reading the Bible at one point in your life with really good intentions, but then um, gave up when it didn't really seem to be connecting. Maybe you started in Genesis and got a few chapters in, or maybe you made it through Genesis, maybe you made it through Exodus, and then you encountered some things that you didn't fully understand, so you stopped. Um, because it didn't seem to be making a difference in your life or it didn't seem to be resonating with what's happening in your everyday life. But if the Bible has, or if the gospel and the Bible has changed millions of people's lives throughout history and it's not seemingly changing your life, you may be saying, well, what's wrong with me? Why don't I get it? What is everybody else getting that I'm not getting? And so I just wanna give a couple of ways to think about Bible reading. These are not the only ways to think about Bible reading, but just a couple of images to think about Think of it like planting a garden. Maybe that resonates with some of you. Or maybe think about it as hiking a mountain. So between those two, I'm hoping to catch most of you in the image. Think about planting a garden or hiking a mountain. When you plant a garden, not every day will produce some kind of fruit for the harvest or some kind of flowers that bloom. When you hike a mountain, you can't reach the summit in a matter of minutes. Right? It's a journey. Some gardening days are days of pruning back or cutting back, and some hikes require overnight backwoods backpacking with no glimpses of the mountaintop at all for days on end. And gardening and hiking both can seem at points mundane or laborious or even frustrating. But when you start a garden or begin a hike, it's because of the promise, the hope of the promise that's at the end of it. When you start planting a garden, you, you start it with the, with the hope that eventually there's going to be something edible from this green and brown, or that something beautiful is going to emerge from the ground. Later, 
And when you begin a hike, you begin at the bottom of the trailhead, you begin with the hope of the summit that you will reach. That's what keeps us going. And so to set you up for success with scripture reading or Bible reading or understanding, just a couple of principles are helpful within both of those images. One is slow down. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process of pruning, of being challenged, of getting your hands dirty, of taking water breaks, of sweating. You know, all the images of hiking or planting a garden slow down. The best things in life are along the journey of it, right? Number two, do it day by day. You know, if you're planting a garden and you skip a substantial amount of time, it's going to affect your end result of the garden. And same with hiking. If you're trying to reach the summit, you know, kind of got to keep going. You can't, your, your water breaks can't be that long or you're going to run out of sunlight or daylight. The third thing is, is have people you're doing it with. Talk it through with others. Bring other people on the journey with you. You know, I know you go back to your home and you, your reading can be a solo exercise, but just like planting a garden or hiking, you can do both those things solo, but they're a lot more enjoyable and a lot more understandable if you bring others with you. And maybe you even learn some new things. You find a little side trail that's even more beautiful, or you, you learn how to, how to cultivate a different vegetable or fruit that you didn't know how to do before. And then finally, there's the promise of the end. You know, and that's, that's the goal of the Bible is that to know that there's a promise of the scriptures that actually is found. That there's a purpose to all of it. You know, it's not just to accomplish a, a checkbox or a, or a spiritual did it. It's to actually reach a goal that is promised at the end of life to the full. Not only for this life, but also in the age to come. You know, when, when you breathe your last breath here, that there is life that continues and you get to be part of it forever in a beautiful place. The Bible tells the story of the beginning and end of all things. And most importantly, who is with us along the way throughout it all. And I hope that even just that provides a little bit of motivation for what Bible reading can be like as you press through some of the more challenging, confusing parts of Scripture. Now, two things that I don't recommend. Number one would be, okay, I'm going to read the Bible today. Obadiah, chapter one. Don't, in terms of just Bible reading, it's good to have some kind of plan, some kind of systematic way to think about what am I trying to do as opposed to the random Bible scripture opening. Sometimes God can immensely bless you, immensely bless you through the random Bible opening process, but you're also jumping in halfway or three quarters of the way into a story that you may not have the context about. So don't open up to a random page. And number two, really would advise against uh, if you have questions about something, uh, Google and YouTube have great purposes in life. Um, one of the ways you can get led astray and into some really weedy places in the world is by Googling questions about what the Bible question you have is. Because uh, you can get into the weeds really quick or get a whole lot of different interpretations really quick. And so if you have questions, bring them to people that you trust. Bring them to a church. And that's why we say we're a church of curiosity. That we want to be one of these trusted places in your life. But find other people that can come alongside you and be part of your life. And with that being said, a lot of what I'm saying at the beginning of this sermon, we actually have a web page on our website. It's at the very top of the web page and it says, read the Bible. 
And everything I just said actually is listed there. And then there's actually some resources that we would recommend that would lead you into good answers, better than the random Google or YouTube searches, but a couple of good resources that we would recommend to you and we'd commend those to you. So go to the webpage, firstbaptistchurchsalem.com slash Bible. And um, we hope that'll even be a small blessing to your life. So a couple of invitations then for you before I even give kind of a, a five to 10 minute overview of what Genesis to Revelation really is saying. Number one, if you're a Bible reading struggling person, um, if you're someone who wants to read the Bible, wants to understand the story, but has struggled with it. And again, you could be brand new to Christianity. You could be a Christian, but just, I don't know how to connect this story to my life. I don't know where to begin. Um, We'd like to invite you to try some new things and even do it with some people. So I mentioned bringing people along the journey with you. We purchased as a church um, a while ago uh, with the hopes that maybe we could get a group of people to do this even beginning this fall. Gospels of John. And these are, it's just the Gospel of John. So it's a little less intimidating than the whole Bible. But the reason we had the Gospel of John read this morning that Pam read so faithfully is that the Gospel of John connects so many of the threads of the whole story of Scripture into one story. Uh, and it's a great beginning place of seeing how the story begins. So we have copies of these. If you're genuinely interested in wanting to read through the Gospel of John with a group of people, open and fresh, you know, no judgment, just coming into a fresh place, I would love to hear from you. And we can see if we can put a group together, even beginning today. And we have copies that we could do this with. So that's an invitation to begin first, the Gospel of John. Um, it's three-fourths of the way through the Bible, but it's a great entry point into the whole scriptures together. It tells the story beautifully. A couple other things to consider. You know, maybe if you have read the Bible some and you're like, okay, I don't, I don't need to start with the Gospel of John. I'm not maybe at that beginning place. Like I want to start a little bit further down the path. A couple other thoughts would be, you know, help us, let us help you find a plan that works for you of how to read the Bible consistently together. So something that where you can read through the whole story of the scripture on your own in a given year. And so there's all kinds of different Bible reading plans that are out there where you can read two or three chapters a day. Um, and the one we recommend is actually, when I say we, I'm saying I, it's kind of the plural we. This is me. There's others that would recommend other ones that work for, for you in this church as well. But one that's worked for me, particularly as a, as a younger person who needs a little bit of help and that like visuals are helping me as well. The Bible Project has put out a one-year Bible reading plan that walks you through the story of the, of the Bible in 359 days. So you got a couple of days off and it gives you a, videos that accompany it with it. And so really helpful. And again, particularly if you're trying to do it for the first time, helps you stay engaged with the story and see where you are so that you don't get lost. Another thing would be to, um, there, there's a group out there called the Public Reading of Scripture and they host weekly Zoom calls where literally for one hour, the only agenda item is listening to God's word, listening to the Bible read out loud publicly. And they read through the whole Bible in the course of a couple of years. So maybe if you're more of a, of a listener or if you have a longer commute, um, you could listen to the scriptures that way. 
Another thing is just, you know, kind of follow along with what we're preaching and, and, and giving to you here on Sunday mornings. And then go back and just study those things deeper. So the texts that we give you to study here, go back and read those on your own during the week. Or even, you know, we have a, a Zoom Bible study that we do as a church here, where we go through the Bible book by book uh, with real people from this church that you'll see every given week. So those are just a couple of things there, practical things to get you started on Bible reading itself. And if you're still listening to me, which I hope you are, and any of this sounds good, um, I just want you to hear our heart for you of the power of what we think the story is. That there is a real story that connects with whatever is the story of your life, what you're going through today, what you've been through yesterday, what you're going to go through tomorrow. That the Bible actually fulfills the promises of and the longings of things that you hope for. It can be confusing. It can be daunting. It can feel like something from a previous era. But for those of you that have discovered the riches of the scriptures, you know what I'm talking about when you're saying you can't imagine life without the living word of God uh, with you day by day. And so with that said, let me just whet your appetite for the rest of the fall with the story itself. So if the Bible is this, it's these 66 books written by a variety of different authors over thousands of years span, how in the world could it be one unified story? But that's the claim that we're making. And that's what millions of people throughout history and living today have discovered is that the Bible actually, from Genesis to Revelation, through the various genres and the different authors and the different peaks and valleys, is that it's one unified story that has one distinct purpose in it. And the one unified story that God wants to know you and he wants you to know him. That's the purpose of the Bible. The one unified story is that you would know God and that God would draw close to you and you could have a relationship with the living God. And that's why when we're gonna talk about the gospel going forward the next several months, next several weeks and months, is that the gospel is good news for you because you get to experience life as it was meant to be from the creator God himself. And so beginning at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, Genesis gives the story of creation, not necessarily the story of scientifically how things were created, but the story that there is a creator and that he created you particularly, uniquely as humans in his image for good purposes. You know, it says that God created everything that we see, you know, the stars and the sky and the, the, the seas and all the animals and everything you see, all that was good. But then he created humanity and he said it was very good that you are a purposeful part of God's plan because you are unique. You were created in his image to uniquely and purposefully reflect him in our world. And so there's only one you and there's only one, uh, only one unique way that, that we can experience the world through his, through his plan for you. And God wants to lead you into that plan, lead you into that way. And so that's the beginning, is there's this creation. And so for those of you that have gotten beyond page two of the Bible, you know the first two pages are beautiful. It's like, this is amazing. We have a, a paradise that we're living in, a perfect world where God has made all things right. You know, what could possibly lure us away from that? 
And as you all know, living here today, because we've all been lured away by something or enticed by something that then we found out later didn't deliver on its promises for us, that shortly after those first two pages of the Bible, you begin to see humanity drifting. And you could even say, go as far as saying they were rebelling against God's perfect and good creation and plan. And the minute they got another option, they began to be enticed. And so you begin to see the enemy come in from the side who lures Adam and Eve into, into rebellion and saying, did God really say that this is the only way life is to be lived? And sure enough, Adam and Eve took the bait and fell. And that, that then begins the whole spinning of the rest of the scriptures throughout most of the, you know, the first half of these pages where you just see the story of sin, which is this idea that you have missed the mark completely, that you are, you're off course, you're askew from the way life was meant to be. And so again, if you're, there's, there's one person that says, if you go against the grain of the way things are meant to be, then you're going to get splinters. And so all of you have experienced splinters in this life to some degree, the pain, the death, the turmoil, the hardship, the difficulty, even persecution, injustice, all those things are a result of even just the slightest going askew of what God's perfect intended plan was. And so part of the reason why the Bible is so confusing or difficult to understand or kind of kind of meandering in the, in the story of the Old Testament is because it's full of wandering, broken people who keep intersecting with one another and leading one another around paths away from God. And so the story of the Old Testament is really a story of, A, humans going astray and struggling and wandering, but then B, these beautiful golden threads of God pursuing his people even in the midst of their faithlessness even in the midst of their sin, even in the midst of their wandering, you see the thread of God pursuing people. And it began with Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham saying, I'm gonna make you a great nation. And from your nation is gonna come multitudes, even as many as the stars in the sky. And eventually there's even gonna be one who comes from your line, one offspring, who from that line is gonna change the world, who's gonna bring redemption. And that was way back in Genesis 12. And so as you weave through the story of Israel, the nation, you're just looking, is this going to be the one who's going to save us? Even is David going to be the one? He seems like a really capable king. And then he falls. Is Solomon going to be the one? What's the role of this beautiful temple? Is that the new garden of Eden where we can experience God in the full? Well, yes. But then Babylon takes it and ransacks it and burns it to the ground. Well, I guess it's not going to be the temple either. Now the Israelites go off into exile because they're conquered by these foreign, these foreign uh, empires. And it seems like the story is over. It seems hopeless. And even just pausing there for a moment, there are so many of us living today that are still living in that same reality of meandering hope, sent off into exile even, feeling far away from God, and it's like there's no hope at all. Like this story just has no conclusion. And then in the story of the New Testament, that's where the beginning of the real story begins. As in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're introduced to this person, Jesus, who as Pam read in the Gospel of John, he was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word that spoke all creation into being, 
That was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later on, as she read, and the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, lived among us, or even he templed among us. So the temple that was one of the hopes of Israel that then got burned to the ground, literally what Jesus did was he came and dwelled among us to be the true and better temple that would never be burned to the ground. He was the living word of God, the same words that spoke life into creation. Jesus was that in flesh. And he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He did it perfectly. The life that you want to live, Jesus lived. And yet in the biggest surprise of all, the one who deserved the most gave up his life as a ransom for you. Because you were created very good. You were created in his image. And God has proven over and over, and it crescendos at the cross, that God would do anything to win back relationship with you. Because he desires your affection. He desires you. You are a crucial part of this whole story. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he substituted himself for you and me as a ransom to fully pay for the sin that needed to be punished. And then he rose on the third day and defeated sin and death forever. And so then the rest of the, the New Testament just kind of flops open as, a, as an overflow as a, okay, if this really is the case, if Jesus really was who he says he is, and if the Holy Spirit really is living among us, when Jesus went to heaven, he left his Holy Spirit with us, and he says, actually, it's gonna be even better for you that I go away, because the Holy Spirit will be with you always, indwelling you. If that's really true, if Jesus really is who he says he is, if the Holy Spirit is really with us, then that means everything has changed. The whole story now has a new meaning that there is purpose beyond what we ever could have imagined before, and that the story you and I have has a, has a purpose not only for our own personal fulfillment and joy, but also to further the purposes and joy of the whole world. Everyone we encounter now, we can bring life and hope and joy and goodness to because God is living in us as the Holy Spirit. And if that wasn't enough, the story of the Bible ends similar to where it began. Creation comes back to new creation. And in one of the most beautiful things I think of the whole Bible is when you read Revelation 21 and 22, literally the last two pages of the Bible, you get images of a new creation that is seemingly way better than what the first beautiful creation ever was itself. That as much as we would long to go back to the Garden of Eden and have things like it was at the beginning, you know, I think we all have this desire in our hearts too of the good old days. Like you remember a time in your life where I wish I could go back to that golden era. This is a great time for a Patriots comment. Maybe you're gonna be thinking this at about 3 p.m. this afternoon when the Patriots could be losing. You're like, I just wanna go back to the golden era 10 years ago when things were right. But we have these, these threads in our life of I wanna go back to that golden era and even spiritually, I've heard some of us say, like, I want to go back to the Garden of Eden. Well, here's a, here's a news flash for you. Here's a surprising twist for you. We're not going to go back to the Garden of Eden, but we're going to get something even better. A new Jerusalem, a new heavens and a new earth, where it says not just that we will go up to heaven when we die, 
but that God one day will come down from heaven and make his dwelling among us here and make all things new so that everything here actually has purpose because this is going to be God's dwelling place with us in a redeemed, perfect reality forever and ever. And that's new creation. And so that's the story of the Bible. And of course, I left things out. And of course, there's other ways to say it. But that's the, the, the point of this was just to say, this is a beautiful story. And this is a story that can capture your life if you want it to. And so our prayer simply for you this fall is to open yourselves up to the hope of surprising good news for your life, whatever that may look like. We invite you into that. We'd love to read the Gospel of John with you. We'd love to creatively think through how can we help you have a relationship with this God who clearly desires you uh, to know life and life to the full. So let me just close with this. Um, Two different quotes here. One is by G.K. Chesterton, who uh, just was a beautiful writer. He says this. He says, if life is a story then there must be a storyteller. There must be someone behind all of this who has a plan in mind. And that's what the scriptures show us. It introduces us to that storyteller. And then lastly, Tim Keller, I think this quote's on the front of your bulletin, but Tim Keller uh, loved to read J.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings and some of these really beautiful stories that have captured some people around the world. But Keller, who was a pastor, I was kind of riffing off of um, Tolkien, talking about uh, stories and how they capture our heart. And he says this about the gospel. He says, the gospel, because it is a true story, means that all the best stories will be proved in the ultimate sense true. So all those, maybe that, that story that I asked you to identify at the beginning of the sermon, you know, what stories, what movies, what books, what shows have connected deeply with you? As you identify that, just know that in some sense, the gospel proves the best stories to be ultimately true because there's breadcrumbs in all these stories that lead to the true story, the one greater story that brings all of it together in beauty. Let me close us in prayer and we're gonna finish by singing two different songs to lead you into a prayerful conclusion to our worship service. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, thank you for inviting us into your story. Thank you for giving us a worth and a dignity and a value beyond what most of us probably give time to think about on a daily basis. And most of all, thank you for the person of Jesus, who though he was God, humbled himself and took on the nature of a servant in human flesh and became obedient to the cross so that we might have what you can give to us, life to the full, abundant life. So I pray that for every person here. I desire that each person here experiences life to the full in your name, from you, receiving from you grace upon grace, as John said earlier. Lord, we long for that. Bless each person here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.